It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Drink it in, man. Back. Crush it Gonna get hit. Gonna go down. Sack back outside the 50-yard line. Ziggy did it. Drink it in now. He's got a man wide open. Golden at the 10. Golden at the 5. Golden to the house. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. There it is. Been looking for that all night. Cornbread. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back, and I'm here with the one and only Grifka. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Oh, man, just living the dream. Just living the dream. (laughs) Cool, man. Well, uh, first thing on the docket, we're talking about some news and notes. Uh, We got... And we got Diggs, man, our guy we gave an extension to. He's got a broken hand. And we got Lang that had a devastating concussion. Kind of not sure where both those injuries stand, but those are both pretty important to our team. Uh, what are you thinking about those two items? Yeah, um, I heard uh, Diggs is practicing, so uh, he's toughing it out. That's a good sign right there. It's, uh, definitely need him in the defensive backfield. Don't know if it's uh, going to mean any more picks or it's going to be easy for him to do more tackling, but I think we need him in the defensive backfield. Um, as for Lang, and we can talk about this a little more during the uh, review of the game. Um, I mean, he was a big cog in, in the Patriots game with that offensive uh, offensive line in the rushing game, but it uh, seemed like once uh, he went out, uh, you know, the, the running game went down a tiny bit. So uh, I don't know. It just It's one of those things where I'm starting to think of Lang, he might be at the end of his rope. So uh you know, I, I don't know exactly how much how much gas he has left in the tank. Yeah, man, we'll see. Uh, you know, Patricia never gives anything on injuries, but I think if Diggs does have a busted up hand, that'd be a tough one to get around. And it was ugly with Lang, man. I just I, – I was literally watching the game. I go, he's done. His career is over. But I thought it was more his back again. And then I heard about his concussion and how many he's had. So it's not looking good, but I think he is a key cog on that line. So – with that being said, Grifka, one thing, again, we talked about a lot in the preseason, but this Amir Abdullah just never being active for games. I mean, any thoughts on that or, or still no big deal for you? No big deal for me. I think who they have in the backfield right now, it's fine. I have, uh, you know, I ain't got no uh, love loss for uh, Amir Abdullah anyway, so I'm fine with him yeah. uh, him being inactive. Yeah. yeah, not a big deal. I guess my the reason I bring it up in the news and notes is because I'm trying to figure out why we're, why he was kept, why he's here. I mean, I don't see many teams keep a guy like this just as total injury insurance, just sitting there inactive. I mean, you should either have a role for him on the team or 
you know, trade or cut bait, you know, one of the three, but just have him inactive in case somebody gets hurt. Just and maybe it'll come in handy later in the year, but it's frustrating for me to see every week because I do know he's still young, he's still athletic, and he has some skill sets, but he's just sitting there doing nothing. So uh, another bummer there, but, I mean, like you say, not a, not a huge impact so far on the team. Just frustrating item for me. Um, I have no clue, Grifka, what is wrong with Ziggy. Like, I know these, these stupid NFL coaches think it's so fun to, like, never give out any information, but... I don't know why it wouldn't hurt just to say, hey, he has shoulder strain. You know, it, it might be this timetable to both give the fans, reporters, everybody a little bit of insight because, I mean, you don't know if he's got a bruise on his shoulder or if he tore something in there. So it's just frustrating to me uh, either way. I mean, any thoughts or you think he'll be back anytime soon? Uh, I think the only reason they do that is when when a player is – you know, ready to play or, you know, maybe can go. I mean, everybody knows it's a shoulder, but they don't know how bad it is. So, you know, with they're going to, like, try to, you know, exploit that injury or, you know, something like that. I mean, if it's a bulky shoulder, bad knee, teams are going to, like, try to do whatever they can to get the that thing so they don't want to they don't want to let on how bad it actually is. So that's one reason I can figure why coaches do that. But, um Ziggy, I don't know, it's, he's becoming the guy, you know, he's just almost like an afterthought to me. It's like one of those things that would be nice if you were out there, but you never seem to be out there. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with Ziggy. Yeah. To me, though, he's no afterthought, man. He's, he was probably to be the biggest defensive player on our team, even though he has this terrible injury history. So for, we're at week five now, and he just hasn't played more than two series. That's a huge blow to our team. And, you know, he might be gone for another – six games seven games he might be back in next week i have no idea so frustrating from a fan perspective but i wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks he's back um, but it's, it's definitely hurting our defense hurting our pass rush no doubt about it so so grifka before we jump into this uh, cowboys review i mean it, it's gonna be a tough one to talk about but uh big fight this weekend on saturday i know you're not the biggest ufc guy but Conor McGregor, the notorious one, versus Khabib, the undefeated, just animal wrestler. Uh, any thoughts on who's going to win this? You want to throw out a prediction right now? I'll say Conor McGregor. I just really, I, I like him. I know him. I've seen, I've seen a lot of his fights. But uh, like I said, I'm not a huge UFC guy, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go with Conor McGregor. Oh man, I'm so looking forward to this fight. Like me and some friends, we always get together for the McGregor fights. I mean, he's the most entertaining person in sports. I keep telling people, and like some of my friends <laughs> just hate it. They, they either hate UFC or they just can't stand this guy. And I think everything he says is the funniest thing ever. He backs it up in the ring. He puts on electrifying fights. I mean, he's always willing to go in there against the biggest guy. So I, uh, I'm i so happy he's back. I think it's going to be electric on Saturday night. So give me the notorious one as well. And I'm ca- I'm calling like a like – a, maybe he gets to the second round, like a KO in the second round. Like it's just a nasty first round. But McGregor just, just starts getting some punches in, defends the takedowns, and just absolutely uh, KOs him and – tremendous fashion so that's my prediction for the fight but uh we got another fight to talk about Griffka, and it was the fight that happened last sunday between the lions and the cowboys and oh my was it one of those football games that just went back and forth one of those but i always say man the dang nfl comes down to like two to three plays a game you never know when they're going to happen you never know what's going to make the difference but you look back at the end of the game and say man have we made this or that 
we could have won this dang game. So before we dive into some of the specifics, Grifka, another loss, right down to the wire. I mean, talk to me about this uh, Cowboy loss. We had a stomach on Sunday. It was, uh, like you said, it was back and forth, but it seemed to be tough to watch. There were, it seemed like there was points where thought the Lions could have done a little more. Like you said, they shot themselves in the foot on some stuff. Um, the defense early on seemed to be okay with uh, Zeke Elliott, but then as the game wore on, it seemed like Dallas's offensive line, even though they didn't have Travis Frederick, seemed to start to really push around, opening these big holes for uh, big holes for uh, Zeke Elliott. And um, like we had talked about, I, you know, I thought he would get his. You know, I was maybe thinking like 110, 115. He obviously surpassed that. And uh, I don't know. It was just, it seemed like, you know, when the Lions went down, took the lead, I was still like, I was still worried. It's just like, it just, it seemed like, I, I didn't, I didn't know. It just seemed like in the second half, the Cowboys offense kind of had Detroit's defense number. They knew what to do. They knew what to do to move the ball. And uh, that was something that I, w- I was just really worried. And then, you know, we had the uh, the strip by Deshaun Hand, but, you know, there was no Detroit Lions around to, you know, get the ball, you know, even making a play for it. It's like he, you know, he was the only guy that was there. And, you know, once they realized it was out, there was like, you know, four Cowboys jumping on it. And, like, we're all the Lions guys. You know, I mean, there, there wasn't even any Lions guys there to pile jump. You know, like, you know, how they do that and try to knock it free. So it was, it was just one of those things that seemed like that was the opportunity right there. And even on that same drive, Dak Prescott threw the ball and it went off, you know, it would have been a remarkable catch if he wouldn't caught it. But, you know, Glover Quinn went right off his hands and just got knocked down. It's just, like you said, it's just those misses that those plays that seem to plague Detroit when, when they come up with losses like that, they just don't make the play. They're either, you know, a step slow or a half yard behind. And that just, that seemed to be the Cowboys game to me. Yeah. All right, well, sounds good. Like I say, you made your way through quite a bit of things there. Let, let's go ahead and break it down a little bit further. So, like, the first thing on my mind and my, like, docket is Zeke Elliott. Like, coming in this game, I mean, we had no doubt that was the guy to stop. That was the guy that their best player. That was the guy that we had not done well against is the run game coming into the game. And I just felt like this guy tore us up top to bottom, like, he was he had gaping holes to run through. He's catching the ball in those screens where we have nobody even anywhere on the field. Like, why were we not able to slow this guy down even a little bit? Like, it's just frustrating to say. You basically, like they always say, play left-handed. So you knew if you take away Zeke, they were going to struggle. And instead, we just let Zeke eat us up. And then towards the end of the game, a couple other things were able to happen because this guy had been killing us all game long. So... I don't get why they weren't able to deal with them at all from what I saw. I mean, Zeke's just a great running back. And, you know, I hear some stuff after the game like, oh, he wasn't completely healthy. And, you know, the Cowboys didn't change their offense at all. I don't know how much of that is rhetoric or, you know, how much of that is, you know, gamesmanship, whatever. But uh, that's one of those things just like, come on, you know, I mean, Zeke looked pretty, pretty good out there, you know, running, running around and, you know, I just don't know with like the Cowboys. Oh, they didn't change anything in their offense, but that's uh, that's it's kind of hard to believe that you're just going to run the same stuff out there. You're not going to game plan, have a few different wrinkles in there. So I don't know about that. But it didn't look like but, anything um, fancy. It was just it was running off left tackle. None of our players were anywhere to be found. Getting eight yards, getting twelve, getting twenty two yards. Like 
you know, all these different runs. I mean, he didn't do anything that blew me away, and I don't know why. I mean, you say, oh, he's a great player. You know, he did this. Like, we played against a pretty good player the previous week called Tom Brady, and we not only kept him off the field, which was a tactical move because you knew he was their best guy, so the way to hold him down was to keep him in the bench. So if we're coming into Dallas, we know that you got to keep Zeke Elliott down. So load up the box, bring some blitzes, like make sure we're gap sound. It didn't feel like any of that happened with him. So, I mean, we could talk about him all day, but, I mean, every team has good players, and it's part of the coaching staff and the team to figure out how to shut down that player so the lesser players have to beat you. And I don't feel like that happened at all on Sunday. It was frustrating from beginning of the game right to the final play, which we'll get to, that uh, totally, totally put us down. So, I mean, we could talk about him for days, but – Right. I mean, but I, like you said, we had mentioned, I think a big part of it was that we were able to keep Tom Brady off the field with the offensive line, keeping the run game going. It seemed like the run game for Detroit, you know, fell off somewhat after, you know, TJ Lang went out. So yeah. maybe that was part of it. I mean, Lions had what, given up what, three sacks all year? And they had what, three sacks on Sunday, you know, alone? I mean, that was it. Uh, so maybe, maybe, uh, you know, TJ Lane's, you know, was a bigger part of that offensive line than either, you know, we like to give credit to him, but uh, that has to be part of it right there. I mean, we had talked about Dallas's defense. Nobody in the defensive backfield really scared us. And obviously, I mean, Stafford, I mean, he he had a good game. I mean, those weren't, those weren't, you know, the padded stats that everybody complains about him. Those, I mean, at one point, you know, after the game, I saw stats and I look. I thought to myself, "Gosh, man, he had he. Those were his numbers. It's. It seems like his game wasn't that good. But yeah, I mean, he only missed on what like six, seven passes, and you know, a couple touchdowns. So yeah, I mean, he he had a good game, but uh, it was the defense just was a little short that game. Yeah, but my thing, my thing is, you know, we got to get into. I mean, the run game. You say it wasn't there. Like to me, might as well just get into it right now. There's there's two huge issues. Like. The run game wasn't there because we busted off a 32-yard run to start the game, and then we gave our new 21-year-old rookie with size and speed and can catch the football eight touches the rest of the game. We spread them around, and then we were electric in some of the pass game. Like To me, you just ran out. Stafford had a good game. I did think he was solid, but I, I just felt like some of those throws, I couldn't believe that Golden Tate scored on that first touchdown. It was just a simple out. And it reminded me of that game a couple years ago. I think it was against the Saints that we came back and won in crazy fashion. He, like, caught it. And there was a million guys around him. There was guys that had the, the angle on him. And he just, like, scampered away from the whole team and scored. So, like, I mean, Golden Tate was electric. He made a couple great plays. And, you know, those were big in the passing game. But I don't even think that we not only tried that good in the run game, I continue to have a huge issue with our offense. To me, it looks stale. It's like we're just standing around, you know, hey, call these checks at the line, you know, these pre, they're like premeditated type plays more so than, than football. Like when I watch other teams, I don't have the same feeling I do, even when the lines are clicking, you know, like I was excited for those passing touchdowns, but I mean, they didn't feel like our, like our O was just humming, you know, it just felt like, oh yeah, we got a couple good throws off and then they went to the house type of thing. So I mean, you could say the run game wasn't going home, but not getting the ball to carry on to me was my probably my number two biggest issue with this ball game. And then, yeah, Stafford was good, but Golden Tate made him look real good on catching an eight-yard ball and scoring. And then 
catch another seam ball and take it into the house. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I realize a lot of those yards are after the catch that, you know, Golden Tate had, but still. I mean, he, he I mean, Stafford looked pretty decent. I mean, this is strange. I mean, I'm picking out his good stuff, and you're like, well, Tate did most of it. It wasn't, <laughs> it's a strange it wasn't for not us. decent, but Grifka, are you watching these games and thinking that this is uh, an elite, top-level Matt Stafford? Do you feel like it's a mechanical – I make the plays that are there, and then I have enough skill guys that end up making me look good. Like, he's, he's not popping off the page to me. Well, like I said, we talked about this before. You know, you said with the swagger, and I think he's lost that gunslinger mentality. I think he's really been reined in. It seems, you're right. He seems very game manager-esque the, the uh, last couple years, you know. But uh, he he's not doing that gunslinger mentality anymore, that – Brett Favre-esque, you know, just like chuck the ball around, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw it past the defender and my wide receiver is going to catch it, you know, fit in the tight windows. He doesn't seem to be doing that anymore. You're right. There seems to be a lot more, uh, a lot more uh, safe throws which and to, safe plays. Which to me is like the issue though, because I mean, he has less turnovers, which is a good thing. He has kind of, he looks like a more professional quarterback when he runs it the way he does now, but I miss the days where Every few weeks, we're getting, you know, 420 yards and four or five touchdowns. I miss the days where, yeah, he had a couple picks, but we get the ball back enough where we can get right back in the game. Like, I bet we only had, like, eight or nine possessions the whole game. I mean, probably had five or six in the first half, if that. Like, we don't get the ball enough, and when we do, I don't feel like we're electric enough to, like, really win big regardless. And then our defense is just not living up to par at all. So, I mean – I think it's got to get fixed. It got to be more explosive. And like, give me one reason why Carrion's not getting force-fed the ball. I mean, I don't know that he ever will with this regime because I think they're just set on, hey, a running back can't take well, the ball twenty times. But I'm, well, I was I'm at, done uh, with that. Uh, I was uh, listening to uh, a radio show this morning, and uh, they were playing some of the uh, Jim Bob Cooter interview. And you just kept sidestepping. It's like. Well, they, I mean, the reporters ask him, uh, don't you think Carrion should get the ball more? And it's like, and you're right. They were like, we only got, you know, this many carries. And he's just like, I'm not getting into that. We're just more focused on keeping him healthy for 16 weeks. You know, you know, our biggest thing is winning the game. Sometimes he doesn't, you know, because uh, sometimes he doesn't fit the, the scheme or the package that we have out there. And, you know, it was just all like coach rhetoric, you know, and he just kept sidestepping the question. It must have been asked like three different times, like, don't you think you should get the ball more? He's obviously the best running back on the field. Uh, don't you think you took the ball more? And he's just like, I'm not digging into that. I'm not going into that. Yeah, I heard it. That's all I kept saying. So, And so I, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I think what it is probably is because, you know, they brought in LeGarrette Blunt, and he's still got a little tread on his tires. And, that I mean, they're trying to, like you said, keep him healthy. But you're right. The num- When I saw that, you know, like I said, I was we were over at I was over at Chuck's house, big Cowboys fan, and, and uh, we were joking about those stats. We really were, because you're right. And we're like, hey, six carries, 56 yards, man. That's a good game so far. And then we, at the end of the game, we saw the stats. We're like, boy, he had nine carries. Oh, okay. You know, we're like, and he's just like, I don't know why I didn't give him the ball more. Uh, you're right. It's, it's not like they had to play a whole lot of comeback. I mean, what, they were like, down by 10 or something at one point? I mean, still, I mean, they had to throw the ball a little bit. But there, there was a point, you know, they were down a little bit. But, you know, well, we've we got to give it to LeGarrette Blount. we got to bring Theo Riddick in. It's just... I, I don't know. I don't know why Carrion's not getting the ball more. And just to use the guise of, oh, we got to keep him healthy for 16 weeks is crap, considering Kareem Hunt had a whole bunch of carries last year. 
you know, for uh, for Kansas City and Elvin Kamara had a whole bunch of carries for the Saints. So I I don't know. I I, I think they're just you know they brought Legarrette Blunt in. He's that old veteran. You know, just you got to keep him happy type thing. So that's all I can yeah. figure. I could be totally wrong, but. Yeah. Well, you usually are wrong, but I mean, yeah. uh, carry on. Like to me, he's shown enough where I can just imagine what happens when he gets 20 to 25 touches. I'd love to have at least 18 to 20 rushes and five catches or five throw twos, like at some point, because. To me, that's why the good running backs in the NFL get the numbers they do because there's going to be runs that Carrion had where you hand it off and somebody blows up the backfield, he gets minus two. That's going to happen. But if you keep giving him the football, I mean, extrapolate his numbers, just double up his carries, okay, he has 118 yards and, and at least one, if not another, touchdown maybe. Like Those are great numbers. But instead, because of the quantity, I mean, I don't care – who you give eight, nine carries to, they're not going to have great numbers and impact the game that much. I mean, I mean, he yeah. dump-trucked uh, Heath and for that touchdown. That was one of the greatest short-run touchdowns for a Lions player I've seen in forever. I mean, got the ball, got his head down, ran through two people, put that sucker in the end zone. I mean, I think we can see that more, and I don't mind Garrett Blunt getting the ball, but it's when he's getting it, and it's kind of like the the quantity of which he's getting it when he's really not doing anything extraordinary. Like most yeah. of the times when carry on Johnson gets it, he's doing things that are unseen by lions running backs. I mean, catching, running, hitting the hole hard. That's what I want to see more. It, so it doesn't seem it, like it's gonna be all the same. I mean, they want to say like, you, you I thought you, I heard you say like, you heard the same interview. It's just like, Oh, you know, you know, carry on doesn't fit the scheme or the package we were in. Doesn't it seem though, like when the Garrett Blunt gets the ball, it's pretty much like the same running plays that carry on Johnson's getting them. It's not like they're, you know, the offensive sets different or anything like that. It's just like, you know, it's, you know, you know, through the six hole or something like that, or, you know, right up the middle. It's the same stuff. It's the same play. It's just that they're changing the running back. So it's not like, oh, we're running this totally different set for LeGarrette Blunt. It's just, and I understand, you know, defenses would key on that. It's like, okay, LeGarrette Blunt's in that you can scrap all these plays. These are LeGarrette Blunt's plays. I understand that. But you're right. I mean, to, you know, say, okay, we're going to carry on nine carries. Well, we got to get LeGarrette Blunt nine carries. I, 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 I don't agree with that. I I think, you know, carry on well, no, should get the majority nobody of Nobody does. But, I mean, he just – carry on can house the ball and can, can move the change just as well as LeGarrette Blunt. And, like, we just need to turn the keys over to some of these young guys. I mean, I don't know. It's just – it's getting real frustrating for me. And, like, I just think that the Lions are handcuffing themselves. And, like, these coaches are going to give you ridiculous answers regardless. But everybody with a – with a half a brain knows football and knows who the better running back is. I mean, you want to just go to some numbers here. I got some numbers. Carry on Johnson has 38 carries for the year. 38. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. LeGarrette Blunt has 35. You want to know the yardage though? Carry on has 216 total yards. LeGarrette Blunt 95 on basically the same carries. So 5.7 average or basically a two and a half average. I mean, just look at the numbers, Matt, Pat. I mean, we know you know these type of things. Like, just let's get it going, man. Let's feed this guy and see what he can do. So, anyway, before I get more frustrated on that, so Griffith Golden Tate had a great game. Carrion didn't get the football. I thought Kenny Galladay was good again. You know, Marvin Jones kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, but overall, beginning of the game, you know, it looked pretty good. I felt like, uh, you know, it was just one of those football games that back and forth and you knew it was going to go to the end. Grifka. 
the referees. I'll turn off my mic. Go for it. That I don't know about that uh, late hit call. I mean, that that was one of those things. Like it, it looks like he just fell down by himself. And the worst part about it was he hopped right back up. So uh, I can't understand that. But once again, you know, uh, the Cowboys were bailed out with the uh, Darius Slay call that got declined because they obviously got the uh, the personal foul call, the, the late hit call. So. I I totally don't agree with that call myself. It was just like that was a head scratcher. But like I said, the Cowboys were bailed out anyways because they were going to get the defensive holding that you know Darius Slay you know was called you know that that they obviously didn't need. But um, there seems like there's a couple plays where I mean the Cowboys offensive line was holding. I mean I, I've seen a couple pitchers where the people are like totally like circling it where Dak Prescott's kind of rolling out and. Um, Oh, I think it's Kennard's coming off the edge, and their their offensive tackle just has his right arm just you know wrapped around him, and it's 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 an obvious hold, and but you know hey no call you know and the worst part about it was it wasn't like in a scrum you know in the middle no it was like on the edge, but you know I guess that happened a few times and I I don't know I mean I know there's some stuff you know the lines did to themselves that uh, I can't I can't justify. You know, it's fourth and seven, or third and seven, or and uh, I don't know what Eli Harold's doing. Or yeah, it's fourth and seven. Eli Harold lines up in the in the neutral zone. It's like, dude, you're you're on the end. You're staring right at the ball. Do you not realize where you're at? And the play that the Cowboys ran, it was dropped, so it would have been Lions ball instead. Oh, it's fourth and two. Oh, okay. Well, they're obviously going to give it to Zeke Elliott. You know, who's been busting off you know four or five yards in the second half. You know, on every run. So. Yeah, that's what they did. First down, continue to drive. It's just, it's stuff like that that's and that kills us. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a conspiracy guy myself. I think some teams get more calls than other ones, but uh, the Lions had a whole lot of calls. And what I think Cowboys had what two penalties or something, maybe like that all game. I mean, it was it was kind of out of whack right there. But I I I don't know about. I don't know about that that late hit call. I mean, I I don't think it was. I mean, Prescott. I mean, it looked like he slipped himself and and then he stood right back up, and that's when you know he got hit. So, like I said, I, they, the Cowboys were bailed out anyways with the uh, Darius Slay call that you know they 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 could decline because they got the 15 yards on that. Griffin, when I give you the floor and turn my mic off and mention the word referees, you're supposed to do what you do, just go on a big tirade about how the Dallas Cowboys, once again, in Dallas, got the favorable calls. I mean, I don't have the penalties in front of me, but yeah, it was a lot to a little. And if you're not going to do it, I guess I'll have to. So let's start with the late hit call. First of all, before I even get to it, let's talk about this stupid illegal contact you mentioned that gets called on every play in the NFL. There's not a a third down and long where I can't get through it without a stupid illegal contact on some random cornerback. They never even show it barely. You never even know really what happened. So those are just bogus calls in my opinion. I mean, there's going to be contact. It's the NFL. They never follow the five-yard chuck rule or, or the contact within five yards. They never go by any of these parameters. Just like if you're touching a, a wide receiver, they're going to throw that flag because they love getting TV time. Second of all, this late hit, for you could break it down this simple, Grifka. Either it's a sack and it's a late hit, or it's not a sack and it's perfectly legal. It's one of the two. It can't be both. So, you know, there was no real whistle saying that 
yeah, I think it was Kennard or whoever it was off the edge that got a piece of him, and they went down. So if it's a sack, blow your whistle, and it's the end of the play. If it's not a sack, yeah, let him get back up and then let us kill him and, and get a, a forced fumble or whatever it may be. But you can't, like, let him trip down, not really stop it, then, like, have our guy, hey, okay, play's not over, go hit him, oh, now it's a flag. Like, you can't have it both ways, referees. That's just – you know, really frustrating me from top to bottom as one of those calls where it just doesn't need to be made or these refs have to decide. You can't just sort of go both ways and then give it to the home team. That was annoying. And then I have on my notes here, there was like one play by Kennard, I believe it was, where the Cowboys ran one of those look one way, throw the other screens or whatever. These referees are calling these holding calls on the far side of the field. It has nothing to do with the play. And it's not even... It's not even egregious, man. These are I don't even know what these guys are seeing half the time. And my my biggest pet peeve with the refs, which I'm not really usually like a refs lost us the game type of guy, but I get so sick of when these guys go into the hood for these reviews. I feel like they never get it right. Even the, the experts, they're saying like, okay, this is definitely going to be this. And then they come out and they say something totally different. It's like, I don't know what they're watching, but I'm so sick of all these yellow flags out every time I watch an NFL game. It's it's making parts of it unwatchable for me where I'm just waiting instead of for a great play or for, you know, a third and long to happen. All I'm waiting for is to make sure, like, I'll literally, when I'm watching a game at the end of a play, yell, instead of great play or way to break it up, no flags, no flags. Woo. Because that's, that's what I was most worried about is there'd be some flag on the place. So there you go. There's my referee rant since you didn't bring the, bring the noise because uh, I felt like it was totally skewed again. And I feel like a couple of those calls, I mean, we didn't get into the details about that late hit. I want to say that was, that was third down. It was incomplete or there was another one where it was third and incomplete. And that was the offside third down and long incomplete offsides first down. Like these are the kind of things that either the lions kill themselves, the referees do it. It's one of the two most of the time. So, all right, I'm done. So (laughs) the final thing we got to talk about Grifka, I mean, back and forth game, Matt Stafford, I was writing some buddies. Again, I cut you out of the loop because I didn't want to. I didn't want to. You know, you. I, I felt like you were going to be down. This wasn't going to turn out well. But I was writing some other buddies, and I go, "Here goes number nine. He's about to do what he does." Right before he came down and popped that that late touchdown to Golden Tate, he did absolutely that. It's still frustrating that he can't get it going in the first three quarters. But when it's fourth quarter and we need a touchdown, he's going to deliver. So he did. And then, of course, me, you, every other Lions fan, we look at the clock and we go, oh, boy, there's too much time where I wrote my buddies and I said, okay, you got to play defense now. And I felt like they started off that drive well. We got the hand strip sack where there was nobody in the pitcher. We played a couple other downs decent. And then what happens? Second and pretty long. Dak Prescott throws this lollipop ball deep down the field to Zeke Elliott who just over the shoulders it right over Jared Davis. I mean, walk me through what you were thinking on that play because it couldn't have worked out better for the Cowboys. I mean, they never run those routes to this guy. He never would. I bet you Zeke Elliott would catch like three out of ten of those over-the-shoulder deep balls, but he caught this one like it was no problem and ended the ball game. So, after the game, I had an argument with one of my longtime, one of my friends was a longtime Lions fan about that. I'm just like, why is Jared Davis guarding Zeke Elliott? And he comes back. Linebackers cover running backs all the time. It happens at all levels. I'm like, yeah, but your stud players 
I go, stud running backs get covered by DBs. It happens all the time at all levels. And I can understand if Zeke started in the backfield and, like, flexed out to the slot. And, like, okay, that's my man. I need to go with him. But, no, that didn't happen. He lined up out there. And we, we got in this debate, like, he's like, lines don't have two good cornerbacks. Who would you rather have on him? I'm like, I'd rather have Tracy Walker out there. I go, he's a rook, but at least he's shown ball skills. I mean, Jared Davis, I mean, the Lions coaches can defend him. I read this afterwards. They're still defending, you know, his, his coverage ability. It's just like, really? I mean, I haven't seen any of it. So I don't know what you're defending. But So I don't know why it's like one of the, like, why you have him on, why you have him on Zeke Elliott. No matter what, I mean, I w- I'd much rather have at least a safety on him, you know, something like that, as opposed to, you know, putting Davis out there who can't cover anyways. I mean, it was, like, it, was, it, was a, it was a good pass. It really was, and it was a good catch over the shoulder. But still, I mean, he had to step on him. He had to step to two steps on Davis. And so, you know, good cornerbacks, I mean, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, when Slade does it, he's in his back pocket. You know, and and it's one of those things to make it tough, you know, to get the arm up in there, you know. It's not like Davis is Davis wasn't even there to even attempt that. You know, so that's what annoyed me the most. It's just like I said, he started out in the slot and Davis just went with him. It's like that guy can't cover. You know they had to go downfield. What's he even doing on the field? Is my biggest thing. What's he even doing on the field at that point? I mean that's what that's well, what annoys me the most about I, that play. I had a couple defenses because, one, we had those injuries. So, I think, like, Diggs would normally be out there. I don't think he was out there in that play. Second of all, like, this is, if this is going to be our middle linebacker in our first-round draft pick, like, you know, yeah, he hasn't been great in coverage, but you can't hide him all the time. So, he was out there. If he's going to defend these guys, he just either has to make the play or learn how to make the play. And the other thing is there's a crazy stat. Somebody said that, Zeke Elliott has never in his career run a route like this, this far down the field from that type of position. Like, so they pulled a rabbit out of their hat right when it counted, threw a perfect ball, a crazy catch, and yeah, Jerry Davis was on him. But overall, he had decent coverage. But like you said, he can't play the ball, and he didn't even rip through the hands or, or do anything. Like Even if we let a few more completions go, you know, eight-yard completion, 10-yard, make them work for that. But that one ball took the game from us because then all they had to do was sit on it and kick. So... I kind of agree with your other buddy. Like, yeah, the linebackers do cover those guys, and it wasn't the perfect situation, but Jared Davis has got to make those plays and got to get better. I mean, he stood flat-footed again while Zeke Elliott ran up to him, and then by the time he made his choice and ran out to the right, of course he's going to be late because he didn't really run with the guy or pick a, uh, you know, play it better. He just stood there, waited for him to make his move, and then followed him, which that's never going to be good enough, but – I, it was it was one of those deflating plays. Like I was just sitting there thinking, man, okay, another play or two, we're going to win this game. And uh, that one perfect play by the Cowboys took it from us for sure. So tip your cap. I wrote my friends too and said, hey, I tip my cap. It was a great throw. It was a great catch. It was a big play when they really needed a big play and it put them in perfect situation and their kicker came up big. So I guess, like, to me, it wasn't the Lions losing a game. Like, they played big at the end and made the plays they had to to win offensively. Couldn't get off the field defensively, and then the other team made one play more than they did. So you got to live with those sometimes, but it doesn't make it any easier. It's another loss, and it was a tough one to, to take. So, you know, it is what it is. It's yeah. over with, but uh, we, we needed that ball game and could have had it. Yeah, that's just – it's another loss to an uh, average team that – I mean, we're kind of in that same group of teams that, 
the Dallas Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I think the Lions are in that same bucket with those guys. And yeah, they're road games, but those two games were actually, you know, they're very winnable. I mean, it's just it's games that the Lions shot themselves in the foot. You know, and I mean, I guess that's the difference between like those winning teams and, you See, know. But they didn't, though. I just said that. Like, they, I didn't feel like they shot themselves in the foot. I just, I just, I, what are you talking about? I, I gave you a couple plays where they did that. Eli Harold lining up. I mean, they get the ball back right there. Instead, Eli no, they Harold, that's a, that's a terrible play, but that's one play in the game. They made a lot of okay. Plays well, how about how that. about Taylor Decker? Like another another one of his another one of his Jeff Backus plays where he like false starts and it stalls another drive and yeah, he's like that doesn't, himself, that oh, doesn't impact the winner loss that's just yes a, it does a, all those was, all those plays add up that was don't a false start in like the second quarter that doesn't that's it not stalled a, a drive play it stalled oh. the drive oh my god oh, what are you talking about are you, are you kidding me that the eli harold play didn't matter it was the eli and seven and they stopped him it went to fourth and two zeke elliott runs up the middle for five yards first down they go and score instead the lines get don't get the ball back how does, eli how does that how does so that not how does that not affect the quarter. outcome how does that i mean uh, if that's the case would, why don't we just go play the fourth from? quarter the whole, every game would you listen to me? I said the Eli Hero play was big, and that was a good example. I don't think you're Taylor Decker, a false start in the second quarter on a drive that not like, hey, if we don't false start there, we score a touchdown. Like, that's not the case. So, yes, the Eli Harold is a good example. Of that took the ball out of our hands. Uh, I can't name many other plays where we did that, but I can name what I did, the refs and a few plays the Cowboys made. And I already detailed a few great plays by the Lions to get back in that game, basically win that game until their defense gave it up. So this was not a a clown car Lions loss where we just totally cost ourselves. This was a back-and-forth game, and they made one more play than us. And, yeah, okay, we could have had a – we could have been on sides. Yes, that would have been excellent. That's the one – tell me another one that was just blatantly killed us. Like I don't think it's out there. It's it's all those little it's all those little things that add up in the end. All those little plays that add up. Okay, well you're not end. gonna play a perfect football game, Griffka. I don't know if you noticed that. Like nobody plays perfect. So but Taylor the, Decker's the, pissed at himself, like, yes, I'm pissed too, but I'm not like, Oh, you know, wow, I can't believe he did that. Hey, he's do he's do a few issues here or there, it just can't keep happening and I didn't think there was many plays where I was just shaking my head going, Oh man, that that just keeps killing us other than Jared Davis in coverage, the offsides is inexcusable, and then you just can't get off the field at the end of the game when you need to. Like, those were the things that killed me. But, I mean, we played good enough to win. It's just we didn't make that last play, which, again, to me, that's what the NFL comes down to. Did you make the last play or did you make, you know, one of those huge plays in the game? What if we what if we scoop up that strip sack, Griff, because that's ball game. Right. We weren't there. We weren't there to get it, but it was Glover, a play if Glover Quinn hand. picks that off as opposed to just knocking it there. And yeah, it was behind him a little. Like I said, it would have to be a miraculous catch for him to make that. But it's just it's stuff like that. Balls bad in there, they fall. I mean, you're yeah, but it's, it's not it's, the, the, the golden or the uh, Glover Quinn again is not a great example in my opinion because it was a heck of a play by him to read it. He got over there. He deflected the ball, so it's an incompletion. I chucked that up as a good play, not a oh, it should have been a pick. I mean, what's he going to do? Stab it with his two fingers on his right hand while he's going the other way 100 miles an hour like i just take that as an incredible knockdown not a oh man dang that's all i'm saying it's just it's a game of inches and all those inches add up eventually you know down to you that you know winning and losing is what it is you're right it's just like it was a remarkable play but you know it's it's one of those things where jared davis is you know 
24 inches behind Zeke Elliott, not not able to like knock the ball out of his hands, you know, make that play. You know, uh, Nevin Lawson, same thing in the first quarter where he's burned down the sidelines because he's two steps beyond the wide receiver. And so it's like, yeah, Dak Prescott made a nice throw down and, you know, it led to a touchdown for the, for the Cowboys. But once again, Nevin Lawson's two, you know, you know, two yards or not two yards. He's, he's probably two feet behind him, you know, not in his back pocket. And the ball just goes right to him and it just, it's over his head. And, you know, it's, it's, it's plays like that, that lead that eventually add up to where, you know, it's a win or a loss. Right. Okay. Well, we'll, in your famous words, we'll agree to disagree because there's not going to be one game this year and years to come. We're not going to be able to nitpick little things like that. I'm talking about the game changers. I'm talking about the the stupidity plays, like you say, the offsides that falls in that category. The game changers are what I focus on. Not, I mean, you can always go back and say, oh, this little play here or there, but they happen to both sides. I don't have the Cowboys in front of me, but they had some of the same issues here or there. So, anyway, long and short, Lions lost. Could have had it. Wish they would have made one more play. They didn't. It's another loss. Um, hopefully, I can get it together. I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough, but you know, hopefully they'll make a few more plays. Maybe give some of these young guns the football, and we'll get it together. But I mean, this has not been a good start to the season. So, Griffith, before we shut this podcast down, I want to get through a couple other things. I just want to talk in general, real quick, about this side topic. We already kind of hit on it, but we'll just quickly talk about it for the people. The offense and the defensive mojo, in my opinion. I'm trying to figure out how this offense will get cranked up because every few weeks I think, man, they could drop 40-burger on this team. And then I watch the game and I go, man, they're not explosive enough uh, with their creativity, with their their play calling, with their skill guys to, to do that when I watch them play as good as Stafford and some of our receivers and running backs are. like They have to find the mojo on offense. And when the heck are we going to start creating turnovers or being explosive on defense? I mean, we have no players – that I think scare the opponent and like, we're not getting those great bounces like we were a year or two ago where you're getting tip balls, picks, you're getting slay coming up with a pick in the fourth quarter when you need it to ice a ball game. Like are either of these sides of the ball going to be able to find the mojo or are we just stuck this year where we're still learning everything and the lions are just kind of going through the motions. Cause I don't see any mojo on either side of the ball. It's killing me. This, this tags along with that same argument on the defensive side. They, uh, my buddy's like, it's karma. They lose because Golden Tate showboats as showboats his way into the end zone, uh, and Darius Slay Darius Slay wags his finger, you know, after like knocking down a ball, and because he's like, oh, you think Darius? After they lost, he's like, yo, you think Darius Slay is wag- wagging his finger? And I came back, and I'm just like, Darius Slay played a good game. I mean, he he did his job. Yeah, I go. It's not karma. I go. It's no. just that the Lions don't have enough talent on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, and that's pretty obvious right now. I mean, yeah, Ziggy's hurt and, um, you know, hopefully he's back, you know, this week, but it's one of those things where right now they just don't have enough talent, you know, on the defensive side. They got, they got a lot of, you know, average to solid players, but not enough. Like you said, nobody's fearing those guys. I mean, Darius Slay's their best cornerback and they were still trying to pass on him. They were still passing at him. So, it's, you know, obviously he doesn't fear him enough where it's like, oh, we can't throw at him. So teams still try him, and, you know, he does a good job. Um, so I just think the defense just doesn't have enough playmakers right now. Offensive side of the ball, I know this. we had talked about this in the preseason. Maybe it was, you know, Jim Caldwell last couple of years, you know, you know, putting the handcuffs on Jim Bob saying, hey, let's not do this. Let's just keep, you know, Matt Stafford in this offense and check. Let's hold on, you know, make sure he doesn't turn the ball over. 
I mean, it doesn't seem like that. It seems like, exa- like you said, it's exactly the same. It's all safe. You know, hey, we, you know, if we manage the game, we, we, you know, we don't lose the game. And, you know, uh, you know, Stafford doesn't turn the ball over. But you're right. There's none of that swag where, like, okay, Stafford has the ball back, you know, late in the game. The other team's going, oh, gosh, you know, he's going to march down the field. Everything's like it, – it, it almost seems like, you know, he, he can do it, but it just – uh you're, you're first, right. Where is it? Where is it early on? Where is it early on? It seems like, you know, if a team builds a big enough lead, it's they can put it in. They can, uh, they can put that game in the bag. The first time I saw it though was on that uh, that drive where we needed the touchdown to take the lead. I felt like there was a little bit of mojo in that that pocket ball right between the corner and the safety, and gets to Golden Tate. He houses it to the end zone. Stafford getting the old uh, helmet tap with the wink to the uh, camera, like. To me, that was the first time I had felt it in a while where I felt like that one was a play where they used to make a lot. Like, remember when they used to always throw that uh, that rocket ball between the corner and the safety and, like, we'd always get a good chunk on it, you know, because nobody other than Stafford and a few others can make that throw. So, yeah. like, I just want to get that going. And, like, to me, I don't even want to talk as much about the talent because Mojo and just offensive – I mean – yeah, it's, it ha- comes down to players, but there's something to be said about it. even when we didn't have good players. We just had a different vibe. Even, like, in the Schwartz era, we had a vibe of, like, mojo on defense that we were just going to be nasty and we were going to, like, rush the passer and, and deal with whatever else comes. Like, what's our identity, I guess, is sort of what I'm hoping for. I'll learn soon. And then how – you're not going to win football games if you can't turn the football over and you're not going to win games, like – People were saying, Mike Valeni was saying, oh, they got to win offensively because that's the only thing they're good at. It's like, not this offense. Like, I mean, it's explosive at times and the numbers look good, but I don't feel like we're going to outshoot anybody at this point the way we're going or certain play calls are calling. So we absolutely have to, you know, do something. I thought Patricia would bring that kind of mojo on the defense. Blitzes, different looks. I mean, there's been nothing that's blown me away as far as, you know, fronts or bringing people from different angles or, you know, oh, wow, he schemed up that interception. It's just been a lot of just regular piss poor defense, in my opinion. So, I mean, got to get it together, got to find that mojo. And if they don't, I mean, I every week when I don't feel like they have any, uh, you know, any juice, as I'd say, like, I just feel like it's going to be another one of those games. But if I can feel like they're clicking or they're moving or they get no huddle or – we're slinging the ball around is when I feel like we have a chance to beat anybody. So no matter what the defense does, I mean, I agree too. We should be able just to outscore people, but not the way they're, not the way they're going now. So, you know, whatever the Lions have to do, they need to find that mojo and they need to sort of find that swagger. Like you're saying, yeah, it'll come down to players in the long run, but even in the meantime, you know, what's our identity and why are we not aggressive? Like all these other teams that are coming up with unique play calls or they're going for it on fourth and shorts. They're, um, pulling rabbits out of their hat in pressure points of the game. I mean, these aren't first quarters. Some of these coaches are doing some of this aggressive stuff. It's third, fourth quarters. They're pulling out some of these aggressive play calls. So we got to get that going to win, man. Especially uh, with the one and three record, you got to really turn up the turn up the volume. I would say to get this season on turned around, or just get your whole team in, in a better state than they are right now. Yeah. So, Grifko is a tough one to talk about, man. Lost to the Cowboys. I'm, I'm sure our buddy Chuck Dog loved it, um, but it was a tough game. It was actually kind of a good football game to watch, I thought. You know, 
back and forth, you know, tip your cap. Both teams made plays, but it's not fun when your team comes out on the short end. So, you know, again, like I say, it's not a loss. We got to deal with it. Uh, we'll get back here on uh, – get another show out on Friday and talk about the Packers. To me, that's another swing game. It's like – you win it, you feel good again, and you see what this team can do. You lose it, and it's really a, a tough one to kind of come back from. So we'll deal with all that uh, here later in the week. But, Grifka, we got a few uh, few questions here. We'll get through those and, and, and finish this one up. Another another podcast loss, unfortunately, we had to talk about today. Yeah. So, so Grifka, today our questions are a little bit different, but uh, fun nonetheless, I believe. So I'll just I'll just work my way through these. Respond if you'd like. So our first question it says, "I think Jared Davis is great on defense." Signed, Ernie Sims. <laughs> Next question says, "Tease Tabor seems like an excellent second round pick to me." Signed, Matthew Millen. <laughs> I guess these are more yeah. statements, but, I mean, good nonetheless by uh, yeah. by the folks out there. Uh, our third one says, I think the refs did a great uh, – let me read this again. I think the refs did great on Sunday in Dallas. Signed, the zebra that picked up the pass interference call for the first time in NFL history against the Lions, dot, 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 in the playoffs, dot, 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 <laughs> on the winning freaking play where Matt Stafford had to go. That's the first time that's ever happened in NFL history. Good job, or whatever he said. Uh, great, great work, everybody. Oh, my gosh. So that ref, along with others, I'm sure thought it was a great game on Sunday. Oh, let me get through a couple more of these, Grifka. This one says, Paul Pascaloni looks like a great defensive coordinator to me. Signed 20 years ago. <laughs> I can't believe the Lions lost like that on Sunday. Signed. I'll take the wind. Farve to Sharp, the Calvin no catch, that was a catch, the 10 second runoff versus Atlanta, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. Well, thank you, folks, for the questions or the statements or the funny uh, responses, but none of those helped my mood. All those were brutal memories of some of the struggles we're going through right now, but we got to be honest. We, we obviously drink the Lions Kool Aid and we're hoping this team turns it around, but. It has been a tough first few weeks. I mean, we're looking for things to hang our hat on, Grifco. We're looking for better offense. We're looking for this defense to get it together. And it just hasn't happened yet. So we're hoping that uh, it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely a tough one. Uh, hopefully uh, we can bounce back here. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate everybody that's subscribing, sharing this with a friend, checking us out. You know, we're trying to bring you some game reviews, some game previews. I've been having some fun doing some cover ones, just some real short episodes with some some music in the background, which I think has been a, a fun change-up, so everybody check those out. And uh, like I say, hopefully we can start sacking up more Ws. I know me and Griff can have a lot more fun when we get to argue about Ws rather than about these losses. But uh, everybody, thanks again for everything, drink it in, and uh, we'll be back to you Friday morning with another podcast here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Everybody, take care, and we got to say it. Let's go Lions. Drink it in, man.